Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. That's when it got wheels off. We started up and we ain't gonna stop. Oh, I like you, like it not. That's when it got wheels off. Tig Notaro is the real deal. I think if anything sets her apart, it's that. It's her honesty. It's her not just willingness, but her expertise at converting real life into art, into her comedy. Um, Her television show, One Mississippi, was semi-autobiographical, and I know that it used a lot of what she dealt with growing up in Mississippi and turned it into this really, not just funny, but poignant, honest human thing. And that's the same with her art, you know, with her comedy. Her most recent special, Happy to Be Here, is fantastic. Um, If you're going to start anywhere, maybe her special from a few years ago, Boyish Girl Interrupted, is so great. Uh, She takes her experience living through breast cancer um, and her double mastectomy and turns it into this really life-affirming, hilarious comedy special. And that's a special talent, you know. It's, um, uh, you know, it's the the converting non-gold into gold, you know, especially when the non-gold is so painful. She and I met years ago, God, um, over a decade ago, we were playing the Sasquatch Comedy Festival. Uh, Sorry music and comedy festival because clearly i was there the old 97s were doing rock and roll she was doing comedy tig and i were booked on back-to-back photo shoots with the festival photographer and while we were waiting we realized that we had the same exact haircut and so she announced that she was my lesbian doppelganger and we would um strike up a friendship out of that chance encounter that has gone on for years i I think the world of Tig, as does anyone that's close to her. Um, Towards the end of this interview, I get pretty choked up. I didn't think I was going to bring it up, but I decided uh, that I would after all. Um, A couple of years ago, uh, 
I asked Tig if she would make a video for my friend Erica Chase Salerno, who is a mom and a writer in New Paltz, the little town where I've lived for the last 17 years in the Hudson Valley. Erica has kids around my kids' age. Our kids have always played, you know, rec baseball together and gone to school together. And and, uh, Erica, a few years ago, was diagnosed with breast cancer as well and it was really aggressive and um and Erica's reaction to it and um and way of dealing with it was so positive which was who she was and I I asked Tig when it was um when Erica's breast cancer had hit this really sort of new aggressive point I knew Erica was a giant fan of Tig and Tig had lived through it herself I asked Tig if she would make a just a, an iPhone video um, giving Erica some encouragement, and Tig did, and it was so funny and sweet and just and real. And um, and I, I I was so blown away by that gesture and that kindness, and I know Tig gets a lot of asks, and um, and I know it meant a lot to Erica, and Erica passed away. A year ago this month, in February of last year, and, and um, you know she she left behind a um, a big hole in our community, but um, but we all think about her all the time, and she inspired us. And I know that what Tig did meant a lot to Erica, and meant the world to me. And in a similar way, Tig inspires. Everybody who knows her and everybody who's come into contact with her art and her comedy. So, I was so lucky to get to sit down with Tig and pick her brain for Wheels Off. So without further ado, here is Tig Notaro. Welcome to Wheels Off, Tig Notaro. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much for being here. In my bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> so we're in your bedroom in Los Angeles on the floor. Yep. Um, and we're hiding up here only because there's no kids that can get here. Right. I had to shut the gate. I think Stephanie even slid our uh, doors shut in the TV room. Yeah. Locked the boys in. Put a movie on. They were very taken by you. They're so great. I know. Thank you. But let's not go on about your kids because it's funny. I've been able to keep mine off of social media and, uh-huh. at, and I think you've done a pretty good job of this too, a no. little bit. No. Okay. No. I just don't know. Anyway, that's a different conversation. Yes. But um, I mean, certainly it impacts our creative lives, but yeah. what, um, what creative project are you working on right now and how does it light you up? Um, the creative project that I'm working on. I mean, I'm always working on new material. I'm working on my new hour and I've been touring around. Um, I, I just went out for a long time in October, in October and did some major edits on the material and came back to LA and did Largo and did my hour of material that was edited and it felt really good. And it just, it excites me. Um, you know, I think I was a um, a failure dropout growing up. I failed three grades, dropped out of high school, have a seventh grade education. So I think there's a part of me that I'm kind of 
excited that I've found something in life that has given me drive and that lights me up, I think, in in that I I ended up becoming somebody I never imagined just by finding this love for what I do. Do you feel like maybe and, and this is something you've talked about, do you feel like maybe um it's like you have something to prove? Like do you, I don't feel like I have anything to prove. But I mean um, in terms of the having dropped out of school and no, that kind of okay. No. I I felt fine with my decision. I felt I wish I had left sooner. I, I was my wife and I are both high school dropouts. However, she had a four point one when she dropped out her senior year. Uh she wanted to act and she immediately transitioned into making a living as an actor. Wow. Um since she was eighteen. But um, no, I I haven't really felt like I have anything to prove. Um, it just snuck up on me where I I think being a failure and a dropout, you can believe that you're not good enough, you're not smart, you're you're not meant for anything great, and um, and then having always loved stand up and getting into it and finding success and feeling like, Oh, I think I'm good at this and I love this. And it just, yeah. I mean, no, there's no part of me. Like I have to prove something to myself or to anybody else. It's just like, wow, this is great. And I can't believe that it utilizes, you know, there's so many aspects of it where I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm critically thinking, I have my own business, I'm, you know, I, mm-hmm. I'm, there's so many parts to it that isolated or in a different career, I would have been like, I don't want to write all the time, I don't want to have my own business, I don't want to, you know, but through this, it, it's, um, it feels really good. Okay, you just made me realize so many people that you and I know are dependent on others for their content, right? Mm-hmm. But you get to control every facet of what you do. The, the words you say, the projects you work on, how, how they're marketed. Mm-hmm. That's pretty incredible, right? I mean, that's by design. It is. I mean, I also, you act know, and, I'll act and do movies or yeah. I have a Star Trek role oh, in exciting. the new series. Um, but... Um, and I don't have any say with <laughs> with uh, with Star. I mean, they're wonderful people, but they call their own shots, yeah. and I'm one of their shots. Um, but uh, anyway, for the most part, yeah, with my projects and what I create, and that's that's all me, and it's it's nice. Kathy, you've just described so many different things that you're working on. This is a lot. What do you mean? I mean, well, obviously you're working on your hour, and then you're mm-hmm. working on like the the different shows that that you've created over the years, I guess. And right now, Star Trek is a big job for you, right? It's it's big in that it's fun, but I'm not a cast. I'm not a regular cast member. Uh-huh. I just am a recurring role, and that's what I want to be. Yeah, it's very nice to pop in and pop out. Yeah, and um. And it's also really fun to just be able to tell people I'm on Star Trek. Uh, I work with really, really wonderful people. They're they're very kind and talented. But um, 
it doesn't take a lot of my time. Maybe, um, you know, a week, a month at most. Yeah. Uh, and then I'm touring, but I'm, I'm developing shows, uh, and, um, What's yeah. the TIG with friends? TIG, TIG has friends. TIG has friends. Is that That's just my a Largo? It's my monthly Largo stand-up show. Okay. And then I have a regular monthly talk show at Largo called But Enough About You. <laughs> and uh, it's just a one-on-one interview with um, celebrity friends of mine or acquaintances, people I've worked with that I have a good um, exchange with. And, um Yeah. See, even that, I mean, even just describing the, the spectrum of going from acting with somebody else's stuff and creating your own thing, but then being an interviewer. Uh-huh. I mean, I guess, I mean, you, you're so quick and you're so easy to talk to. I could see why it would be natural, but did you imagine that you would wind up like interviewing people as part of your job? No. Um, and I always thought a talk show... I mean, I don't know. There, There is somebody that is a very big talk show host uh-huh. that wants to produce a talk show for me. And so I started doing this talk show to develop it at Largo to see if I really wanted to do it. But I knew what I didn't want to do, which was a daily or nightly talk show. Mm-hmm. I just want to sit down with someone for an hour and have a great time. And so when I was approached to do this, I thought, I don't want to just do it because it's an opportunity. I want to do it because I want to actually ha- enjoy it and have a good time. And, I've, and it's turned out that I really love it. I had a podcast years ago with a couple of friends, and that was fun. So I had a little bit of a, an idea that I enjoyed that kind of back and forth, but um but now that I'm almost a year into developing this talk show on the live stage at Largo, I'm now confident that I'm, you know, we're going to start going out with the, trying to pitch the show in the, in the new year. And, uh, and if somebody doesn't buy it, then that means that I am terrible at <laughs> doing it because, again, without name dropping, one of the biggest talk show hosts sure. wants to produce this. <laughs> So it means that I really have not judged things correctly because I'm I'm truly at the point of like wow I think I might be good at this. That's and, fantastic. Um, but uh, it'll be a funny thing. It'll be fun to see either way. Yeah. If somebody says yeah I want this, and it'll be fun to see somebody go no thank you. Yeah. No thank you to this concept and to having this big person attached to it. That would be a lot. It, so the evolution, like this has really been sweet. Like I feel like I met you 15 years ago. Yeah. And um, and I've had, and it was when I moved to New York, so I hadn't been able to be in the same town as you and see you as much, but I've... And I seem to be out of town every time you text I me. I know. Truly, every time sure. you text me. We work. But, um, yeah. But it's been so fun to watch the evolution of what you do. Because when I met you, I feel like it was pretty strictly stand-up. Right? I mean, uh, yeah, 100%. I, yeah. I would guest star on Zach Galifianakis and Sarah Silverman. Different friends of mine had shows that sure. they had me on. And, um, but I never, and I think it kind of goes back to me being a failure dropout that I thought, well, I would never have my own show. Yeah. You know, I'm not, 
I couldn't possibly. Sure. Yeah. But so that's what I want to ask you about. You've used this word failure yeah. four or five times now. And I'll uh, continue. Yeah. You so when you were young and you were first envisioning younger mm-hmm. and you were first envisioning <laughs> what this was all gonna turn into. Yeah. You know, was there an epiphany moment? Was it just that you loved stand-up comedy? Did you like have any idea that it would turn into this bigger thing that you're doing 100% now? One hundred percent thought it was only stand-up comedy and quite possibly only open mics. And I'm not, I'm not kidding. I didn't move to Los Angeles to get into the business. My childhood friends that I grew up with moved out here to get into entertainment. And we had grown up together and I had followed them to different, you know, they went to college and graduate school and I had nothing going on. So I followed them and then they came out here, and so I came out here, and I was obsessed with stand-up, and I saw all the opportunities in the shows, and I was like, wow, I'm going to go check out all that that's going on. And after I went to about two weeks, night after night of shows, I thought, I feel like I could do this. And then I started hitting open mics, and then I thought, this will always be good enough for me, doing open mics. <sighs> And that was probably right around when Zach was showing up in L.A. or maybe Um, a little before. Zach, I got to L.A. before Zach did. Yeah. Zach was, uh, I think. 97, something like that. 98. Something like, uh, I would say probably 97. I think I got in town. Maybe I was here just a year before him, maybe 96. He was in New York. Yeah. And um, so... Yeah, I remember when he showed up on the open mic scene in L.A. It, everybody was like, well, who is this? <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Yeah. But uh, but it must have been kind of fun, I guess, because Sarah, Sarah was... She, she was, was already, already established. She was established. She'd been, yeah, she, she kind of hit the ground running at 17. Yeah. Yeah, she's a freak of nature. Yeah. But so is Zach. Yeah. Yeah. It, boy, talk about a, a weird career. It, it's just so fun to watch it all happen. And so do you think you... Do you think that it was like a, your ambition was such that open mic's fine. Like, I don't have to be rich. I don't care about... No, yeah. I I had no... Because I had it in my mindset that I didn't graduate. I didn't go to college. I wasn't following that trajectory that success wasn't in the cards for me. So I just thought, well, I'll probably have a studio apartment and drive a hatchback, two-door, or ride a bike, and and nothing wrong with that. And I was certainly fine with it. But I I did keep getting better at stand-up, and people would invite me on shows, and I was getting offers to make some money, you know, throw me 20 bucks here, 50 bucks there, 100 bucks to 500 to yeah. a grand. And, you know, it just kept moving on to bookings and clubs and TV you know, spots here or there on late night and guest starring on TV shows. And I, I really, when I got to Los Angeles, so many people asked, what is your goal? What do you, you know, what's your show? What do you, what do you want? I was always so confused. What do you mean? What do I want? I want to get good at stand up. you know? Well, then what? Well, then I want to get better. <laughs> but then what? Well, then I'd love to do theaters. Then what? The bigger theaters, you know? <laughs> and I I just, I don't know. 
And I actually remember Sarah telling me years ago that so many comedians um, make the mistake of not expanding their options because sometimes stand-up can only go so far. Yeah. And, um, and there's a way to make a living in comedy beyond just writing jokes and telling them. You can write them for other people. You can act. You can whatever it is. And, and I've really felt thankful that I've known somebody like Sarah, Sarah specifically, (laughs) um, because she's had really, really great career advice and, and, um, and yeah, I, it made me more comfortable with venturing out and doing other things. But it seems like stand up more than maybe any other art form translates into like a lot of these things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you can stand up on stage in front of people and be funny, then why not in front of a, you know, in, on a sitcom stage? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like, not that you've done sitcoms, but that I, I, that I know. Oh, yeah? yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was on a, I, I wasn't a, a cast member, but I was a recurring member of a ABC sitcom years ago called uh, In the Motherhood. And then I had my own show on Amazon, One Mississippi, that yeah. wasn't like a full-blown sitcom, but yeah. it was a half-hour comedy. Sure. Um, that was great. I so, really loved that. Oh, thank you. I thought it was very sweet. Which kind of... I was thinking about this today. I, I wound up um, in a mall in Los Angeles, and I was by myself. Congrats. It was horrible on a holiday. I didn't even realize. I'm like, what am I doing here? But I... but. A thing happened where I was watching all the people, and I haven't lived in L.A. now in a long time, uh-huh. so I feel like an outsider in a way that it's been a while since I, whatever. So I'm watching these people, and I'm constructing what I imagine their reality might be, what they're going through, and I'm thinking about, oh, um, you know, these people and their dreams and how they want to be wealthy and famous, and, and, um, and I don't know that that's empathy, mm-hmm. you know, but I... Um, but I think it's driven by empathy. Like, I'm, I'm sort of feeling for them. Mm-hmm. And it was heartbreaking. It was, honestly, it was just walking around and just sort of looking into these people's eyes and seeing, like, and, and, and maybe I'm insane, and that's no. sort of the point of this. But I wonder, and I, and I feel like this is what informs so much of your writing and your comedy. Like, to what extent do you feel like it's that? It's watching people and empathy and, like, that kind of... Not just what my mom used to call, oh, I love people watching. Yeah. But it's like that people watching, but like looking into their heart or what you imagine it to be and like being heartbroken for them. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, even beyond stand-up. Yeah. I mean, in so many different, that's a real, I think a real part of who I am and what draws me to topics and projects and shows movies any of it it's um yeah for sure i mean it's funny because i guess it's the opposite of glamour right Mm -hmm. it's it's our artifice and i feel like so much of when you look at them so much of what they're what i imagine that these people young people in la that that are looking around so hopeful like they're pining for this just success yeah. I didn't really realize that success and failure was going to be such a part of this conversation that we're yeah. having. Um, do you feel like, because I don't get this from you, but do you feel like 
Do you feel like you create internal obstacles for yourself that you have to overcome? Do you have a lot of self-doubt or second-guessing or indecision? I mean, do you... I think I used to. Uh, I think I very much used to. But I think that through my love of stand-up, I've gained a lot of confidence and and it's bled into not just areas not not just performing stand up or speaking in public but i just i you know i know a lot of comedians get a bad rap of being negative depressed but i always my response is that most people are it's just singers and comedians and yeah. artists have a platform to share what your neighbor feels too and what your mailman feels and so i just don't i i don't really it's not that i ever ha- i don't ever have self doubt or feel like something isn't good enough but i don't feel i don't I don't feel if I go in and think I have an idea for something, I feel like I have an idea for something and I feel confident about it. So you don't feel like a lot of people that I have this conversation with talk about sort of feeling fraudulent or imposter syndrome. I feel that when I'm acting. Oh, really? Yes, (laughs) because I, and this is in no way me thinking I'm a great actor, but I'm pretty much, offer only, which means I will not audition because <laughs> I, if you want me, then you are going to get me and you're not going to get too much beyond that. And I can't go in and do backflips to try and get a role. And, um, my role on star Trek, they wrote specifically for me. Um, uh, the movie I did last year with Octavia Spencer and, called instant family they that was for me and um and that kind of thing i'm like great if you want me and it's a cool project i'm there but i just um i also walk on stage on on a sound stage and i i do feel a little like what am i doing here i am not I was the person 21, 22 years ago that was happy to sit in a comedy club until one in the morning because my name was at the end of the list and do three minutes and bomb and go home on cloud nine. Just like, ah, I got to get up there and work out that three minutes. And I was just thrilled. So there's, I didn't, it's funny for me to know that people that, I grew up with or knew me years ago would see me on TV or movies because mm-hmm. I'm sure they're like, she's acting? What? I've never even, she wasn't even in drama <laughs> class. You, you know, I have friends that were in drama class. I have friends that moved out here. And so it's a little uncomfortable. It's a little, that moved out here to act. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable, a little embarrassing. And I feel, yes, like an imposter. Did, um, did you do acting classes or anything like that? Did you do training or did you just say, this is who I am. I'm going to pretty much be me. I, um, yes, I pretty much was going to be me. Um, there have been a couple of classes I took 
my friend was in an acting class and he reached out to me saying that for him to keep the spot in the acting class, if he misses, he loses his spot. And would I be willing to sit in for his spot? And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Sure, I'll go. And uh, actually, Lori Lachlan was in that wow. acting class. <laughs> and um, and uh, so I went to that a couple of times. But there's no way those two times informed anything I'm doing on TV or film. Did you have auditions? Like, where, I, mean, I mean, you must have had auditions. Oh, I have had auditions. And then it reached a point where I called my manager and I just said, I will not be doing that again. I don't... I, I just... They're horrible, right? My wife loves them. She oh. loves auditioning. Um, she has no... Pro- to, to her, it's just an, a moment to experience... To be able to act. Yeah. You know, she she's like, yeah. <gasps> um, but yeah, for me, somebody that doesn't identify as an actor, to go in, to learn lines and try so hard. In a white room with some yeah. just like script And person. me trying hard. <laughs> it's just me. I, I can't do me any more than I'm doing it. Like you either want this or you don't, you know? Yeah. And so that's when I said I have to be offer only because I, I just, I, it just doesn't feel right to me. It's so good that you, that you know that though, mm-hmm. right? Because I could see how you might try and push yourself to try and be what you would think like, oh, I'm a, now I'm going to act some way. But no. that's how bad acting happens probably, yeah. right? Possibly. I don't know. God, I, I used to think it was so easy. I remember getting asked to audition for stuff and I was like... You remember the words. Yeah. And if you don't crack up while you're saying them, that's acting, right? And I remember years before Nick ever, Offerman ever got any of his big jobs when yeah. he was just my random friend that I used to give pep talks to. Like, it's going to be okay, Nick. It's going to yeah, be yeah. all right. He'll be like the state Stacy Keach of our generation. Yeah. And he's like, I hope you're right. Um, <laughs> I used to get him to walk me through auditions. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, um, so you just say the words, right? And he's like, no, he's trying to give me actual acting lessons. Yeah. And and I always just thought it was so easy. And then I remember one of them, I went in front of a big director and sat there and, and said the words. And I could feel it like, this is bad. What I'm doing is really bad. Like, I'm not... You I'm were not, doing a bad job? I was doing a poor, yeah. really poor job. In fact, what I was doing was really disrespecting the art of acting. And it yeah. really made me reconsider... Like what Nick does, because yeah. he makes it look so easy oh, and yeah. always had. Yeah. And um, and there I am, just some asshole thinking yeah. that, oh, I just, I could do this. Yeah. Dummies well, it's so embarrassing when people will interview me and ask me about my process and do I, and <laughs> my process is hoping I can remember the words. Yeah. And then saying them. And I apologize, <laughs> but I don't have anything else going on. I didn't research. I didn't. There's nothing going on. I'm. It is me. When they ask about Star Trek, I'm like, yeah, it's Tig in space. Yeah. I don't. That's that's it. I don't know what to tell you. That makes me so happy. All right. So if you were able to meet a version of yourself, a 21 year old version of yourself, working in today's world, can you think of any advice you might give? That, oh my gosh. That 21 year old you. I think the only 
advice, and I don't know if this is just a boring answer, but it's really, really how I feel. 21-year-old me, I would say you are, I was going to say so far off from where you're going to finally find happiness, but actually it, it seems, you know, when you're younger, it seems so much longer to go from 21 to 26, yeah. which is when I think I started stand-up. So I was kind of around the corner, but it feels like a lifetime to yeah. get to there. And it feels like I was a completely different person from 21 to 26 to 48, which is where I am now. But I would really say you're doing exactly what you should be doing because the road that you're on is going to lead you to happiness that you would never have imagined. And it's not going to be easy, but it's like all of the things of bombing and stand up or heartbreak and relationships and moving and getting fired and losing a parent and another parent and another relationship and health and everything that happened gave me the confidence and the story and the um, just the perfect path to where I am. And it, I wouldn't have believed it, especially at 21. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wouldn't have believed it. I, I, th- I would have thought for sure I'd be riding around in circles my whole life trying to scramble, you know, yeah. to keep my head above water. Do you think that you would tell yourself that you're not a failure? Or, or do you think that by having failed was, like you're saying, just a part of it? It was so much a part of it. I don't, you know, I know there's so much debate over when people, oh, are there any regrets in life? How can you not have regrets? You need to have regrets. I don't have regrets. Um, Every horrific thing that's happened in life, every, yeah, it all feels you know, it just, yeah, I, I, I wasn't a failure. There was such, I just had different interests. I was a little different than other people. Not, I'm not saying I was more special than people that I was around. I'm still very close with so many people that I, I've known since I was six months old or five years old. I, it's just that a certain life and lifestyle or, education or career or um, town didn't really make sense to me. And um, so, yeah, I feel like I've oddly been on the right road the whole time. I love that. I feel like that's, I feel like that message of sort of mindfulness and I mean, this sounds cheesy, but gratitude, you know, Oh my gosh. I think that's really a beautiful I think that's a beautiful message. I think it's so important and it's sort of understated in our world, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, anyway, I'm I'm so uh it's I, it's not right to say proud of what you've done because I certainly <laughs> can't take pride, you know. But I've I've been so glad that you have done everything you've done in the last 15 years since I've known you and I just think you you've 
you've made the world a better place with your honesty and and your generosity you know on a large scale and even um i just think you've given so much back and i think it's really beautiful thank you thank you so much for being on wheels off thanks for having me all right thank you so much for listening to wheels off Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, as the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.